You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Welcome back to Sprott Money News. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up for Friday, October the 7th, 2016. I'm your host, Craig Hemke. And joining us again after an eventful week is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, good morning. Hey, Craig. Glad to be here. I think there's some opportunity presenting itself here. Uh, we've had to put up with a disgusting week in metal markets. Uh, but I think uh, our listeners will find the conversation interesting. I think it will present uh, some pretty big opportunities. That's the place to start, I suppose. That's the thing most everybody wants to hear about. When we were talking last week, Eric, we were just below $20 in silver, and now we're at seventeen fifty and change, a rather dramatic move, gold down something like 60 or $70 as well. You know, the, the timing of it is suspect because China has been closed all week. What impact do you think that has had on the ability of price to be rigged this much lower this week? Well, as you know, the manipulators always try to find a particular time for weakness when they can go after prices. But typically, they have a few uh, regulators on their side. Like, I've been shocked that the CME hasn't so come out and increased the margins, which is typically how it happens, right? You get, a, get something to be down sharply, then they go and increase the margins and really put the hit on on the long. So I'm thankful so far that there's been uh, no increase in margins. I'm keeping my fingers crossed uh, because it's all orchestrated, which is why I think it's going to create some opportunity here that it's perfect with the Chinese away. They are the biggest influence in the physical market. I can tell you on Wednesday, I was down in uh, Ottawa, Canada, and I uh, was at making presentations with people from the Royal Canadian Mint and uh, the most optimistic thing I heard was uh, they feel when the price goes down, the business comes in. Everybody buys immediately after. And I can tell you that based on spot money, which sells coins, that our business picks up too. So the, the people out there who are uh, precious metals participants, they use these opportunities and take advantage of them, quite frankly. And I'm, you know, I love it when all of a sudden you're selling 20 to 50% more. I mean, it's just a statement about the people lurking on the sidelines trying to seize the opportunity. And unfortunately, with China not here, they're the biggest buyers of all. And so we haven't seen their influence. And as you point out, it's going to, well, that market's going to be opened up on Sunday night. Uh, it looks like we may have hit a, hit a bit of a bottom here today. Uh, and there's certain things around that we'll now discuss that give us every more inclination to think that precious metals should rise. Yeah, I always try to point out to my readers, you know, the the day-to-day price change is something that kind of makes you excited or makes you depressed, but doesn't really have a big impact in the grand scheme of things and why it is we're buying precious metal in the first place. But to that end, you're right, we are bouncing back up a little bit this morning after the U.S. jobs report came in a little bit below expectations, as they call it, and now the Fed funds futures are actually below 50% for pricing in a rate hike coming in December. What do you make of all this economic stuff, Eric? Sure. Well, I mean, Craig, I hate to say it for about the 6,000th time, but I never believe the jobs numbers anyway. As you know, they're just prone to be overstated, but they were lousy anyway. Uh, So there's there's no reason for anyone to think there's going to be any rate increase. Plus, we're in this crazy, crazy financial situation where, you know, we have Deutsche Bank and or Banco de Montepaschi and or Portuguese Bank and or Spanish banks that all are coming under tremendous pressure here. And, you know, much as 
you know, the, the mainstream media will put out something to the effect that, you know, uh, the uh, fine, the Deutsche Bank's going to go from $14 billion to $5 billion, therefore the stock shoots up, and of course there's absolutely no truth to it, and they rally things. The, the reality is that these banks are in incredibly precarious positions, and all people have to think about, Deutsche Bank's market cap is about $14 billion, I believe. It's book mm -hmm. value 60. So nobody believes the book value to start off with, okay? But let me just compare the $14 billion of market cap with the $43 trillion of derivatives. $14 billion, $43 trillion. Like, man, what if you lost, what if they had some of those uh, derivatives in British pounds that fell 6% today? Let's imagine it was all in, in, in British pounds. They would have lost $7 trillion today. You know, sorry, 2.4 trillion today in the, in the British pound position, 2.4 trillion. The world doesn't even make 2.4 trillion in a year. So the, the potential um, problems at Deutsche Bank are so big versus their market cap, and they're so big versus any government bailing them out. Like, you can kiss that idea goodbye. They're not going to get bailed out by the government. The positions are just too, too over. Then we turn around and find out that Deutsche Bank helped Banco Montepaschi hide their losses, and have also done so in a hundred different cases. I mean, it's just fraud upon fraud. I mean, it's like a big fraud machine. And uh, it's not going to play well. And, and I would imagine, you know, that now they're talking today about doing some uh, capital raise. Well, you know what these capital raises are like. Now, Deutsche Bank's trading at 12. They say, well, we'll do a rights issue at six bucks or something. Of course, the stock immediately plunges. So I, I can't, they're going to have a tough time doing it right. So the, the whole banking thing and fear of having your money in the bank should be ever-present right in front of us. Absolutely right. And with negative interest rates as well, that's just another reason that the demand for physical gold isn't going anywhere. The paper price can be maneuvered all over the place by these high-frequency trading machines. As you mentioned, the pound last night falling 5% inside of a minute. But the and, demand and, for physical gold isn't changing. Craig, we should talk about that. I, in this, this talk I gave uh, last uh, this last Wednesday, I said, isn't it interesting that the currencies are more volatile than almost any other financial instrument? And they are. Yeah. <laughs> I said, what do we have the pound down? One and a half, two percent today? I mean, that, that'd be like uh, 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 400 points in the Dow. Well, we don't get 400-point moves on the Dow to the downside. But we get these things in, in the currencies of all places. That's supposed to be the most stable thing. Uh, and, and they're proving to be unstable. And whether it's because the markets are dysfunctional, which it sounds like it might be dysfunctional when you see something down 6% in a, in a matter of minutes, that sounds dysfunctional, which might be some analogy to the gold price being down what it was down by this week because a bunch of guys are just pressing buttons on machines and, and making it go lower, which I suspect is the case. But ultimately, the fundamentals are going to win out here the physical demand, I'm sure, will come back when um, when China's back on board here. They won't be fooled by any of this. So we have lots of reason to to think that uh, gold can snap back fairly quickly here. As you know, the reason it goes down, and I'm, I hate to be repetitive, but the short positions by the commercial traders in both gold and silver are immense, and they were losing billions of dollars. And so it's been totally orchestrated. We've seen it before. And ultimately, I, we will recover from this because the fundamentals won't be denied and uh, all the other things around us in the financial arena all point towards 
people buying gold. I think I just read something that Ray Dalio was speaking to a bunch of Fed governors. His basic conclusion was, you know, the financial system's in serious trouble. Talking to Fed governors now. And uh, one conclusion is that it's quite obvious people should be owning gold. So uh, at least the, the, the central planners got the message. And uh, I hope that everyone else just stays the course here because I think uh, it'll come back nicely. I'm, I've been shocked by the decline in some of the stocks that we own. I mean, I can't believe it. Some stocks are like 33%. And, uh, you know, you happen to know that they're doing well. And uh, this little shakeout's not going to change the fundament- fundamentals that much. So there's going to be, should be lots of opportunities in the, in the market. Yeah, all of it seems in the end just to augur to the, the markets being broken with the preponderance of high-frequency trading where everything just – there's really no fundamentals attached anymore at all, are there? Well, I mean, there's no doubt that when, when something goes down 6%, the earnings go down. And let's say the earnings go down by whatever, 10 or 15%. But it's a short-term decline brought on by nobody knows what, right? That's the funny thing. Everyone's groping around for a reason why go in. Well, we know the reason. The Chinese were wearing holidays. Bang, bang, bang. We've got to get off these shorts. We'll drive it through these various moving averages. And all the, uh, all the long guys are going to capitulate uh, because they're levered. Yep. And, of course, that is one of the problems, right? The levered longs and the hedge funds. And the guy's got to sell. I, I read about a, a guy who had, a, I think, a 10% position in gold in a hedge fund that was levered 10 to 1. So it's essentially his whole fund. He could lose his whole fund yep. <laughs> if, if gold was going down significantly. So that guy can't wait around. And I'm sure, and of course, the, the central, the, uh, the guys who are short know the position of every hedge fund because they're the lenders to the hedge fund. Yep. They see what he's long and short. They take s- such advantage of it, it's ridiculous. So it's, as we all know, it's kind of an unfair world because the banks are there to cheat the clients, which they do regularly. And I think this is just one episode of it. One bit of good news, though, this week, Eric, and uh, I definitely want to get your opinion on this. You know, there's been this uh, lawsuit out there uh, of uh, the manipulation of the silver fix in London. It's the one that Deutsche Bank, under pressure from the German regular Baffin, regulator Baffin, decided to settle back in April. And remember, we talked about it then, how they were going to be cooperating with authorities and, and almost like a mafia uh, informant going to be turning on their on their co-conspirators. Well, all of a sudden, that lawsuit was allowed to go forward this week for the first time. We're going to be looking at legal discovery, Eric. How big of a deal is this? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, what do I think will happen, Craig? Here's what I think will happen. I think that the conspirators know that they're conspirators. They don't want to go to discovery. They're quite prepared to pay a fine. Hopefully, it'll be a small fine. Uh, sometimes people, the regulators, don't really understand the true losses that have uh, incurred. Uh, the lawyers might cave, as you know, because they get a big part of the settlement. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would really want it to go to discovery so we find out exactly what they were doing. And I, I find it rather unusual that Deutsche Bank did admit to this back in April. We've never heard one word about it. Yeah, We've heard got no information what was done. There's been no fine. The other interesting thing, Craig, is I believe that this rigging of the gold and silver market, which case is being allowed to go forward, I went to Google to see if it was in the mainstream media. Not one mainstream media, to my knowledge, had it in their newspapers or on their television shows. Yes, Reuters had it. Yes, Bloomberg had it. Yes, Wall Street Journal had it. 
the Globe and Mail up here, the business newspapers had it, but none of the mainstream media. And you would have thought that, you know, um, Deutsche Bank being being accused of uh, uh, being sent to trial for this might have been a noteworthy thing in Europe somewhere. Yeah, considering all all the things that are going on, or Bank of Nova Scotia up here being charged with uh, having to face a uh, trial on on rigging the gold over might be interesting to Canadians one of the five largest banks ever. No, but it's not in the newspaper. So it just tells you how controlled everything is and, you know, how everyone uh, collaborates to to make everything seem gold-unfriendly when that was a very gold-friendly article. And, and, and really, very important understanding, you know, why we seem to be so beleaguered all the time. Yeah. Because we have these powerful forces working against us, and they work together. They certainly do. And if anything, if not this lawsuit, maybe this will open the floodgates for quite a few more. Well, the losses would be quite staggering. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, gold and silver out there. All the companies who sold for less than they should have and all the profits that were forsaken, um, all the bankruptcies and shutdowns and people's wages who were not going up. I mean, there's all yep. sorts of people who have suffered by this collusion um so yeah there could be some serious fines but you know i'm i suspect that if the uh, banks offered up five or ten billion the lawyer might recommend that they settle unfortunately yeah we'll see eric one last question it has been a doozy of a week but next week uh it all starts over again uh any words of wisdom from all of your years of experience of watching this stuff uh, that you might want to pass well, along to everybody listening? Well, I would say, you know, if there's no rating, if there's no uh, margin rate increase on Friday, and I, and I think the Chinese coming back will make a huge difference to this market, and it will find its footing, and I think it will rally quickly, as you pointed out uh, at the beginning of the conversation, the likelihood of a, of a rate increase is, is shrinking as, as we're talking here. And, of course, none of us ever believed there would be a rate increase anyway, but they keep firing these Fed governors out there saying, well, it should be on the table in November, you know. And of course, it's just to keep everyone off guard a little. Um, but I, it's just, it would make no sense to me that there would be a rate increase. Even if there was, it's so de minimis that it shouldn't make any difference. But while we're talking about rates, I mean, there is concern. These long rates are starting to move up here. We have yes. a 10-year rate in the States of 175. We, British rates are moving up because the currency is so weak, and we may be we are seeing rate increases. They're just not Fed-induced rate increases. They're un- unintended consequences-induced rate increases, which we talked about last week with Corotta thinking the long end might have to be higher here. So, I think there's uh, there's a very good chance that uh, with China back on board, we should have a, a much more favorable um, environment next week. Let's hope so. And for now, though, I think it's time to just sit back and, and see what happens come Sunday. Thank you so much for your time, Eric. It is always a pleasure to visit with you, and I know it's, it's very reassuring from, for a lot of folks to hear from you at times like this. Well, we've got to hang in there, Craig. It's, uh, you know, I've been there for 16 years, and I've seen this happen so often, and it's been a, been a great trade since then, and I certainly expect it to be so in the future. Well, we wish you a great weekend. And from all of us here at Sprott Money News, thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you again next week. 